Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Friday, December 20th, 2019. On today's episode, we're going to have a spoiler-filled discussion about The Mandalorian, Episode 7, entitled The Reckoning. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Soretta. Joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Weekend Editor, Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. And uh, uh, Brian couldn't make it today. Uh, we originally planned to record this yesterday, but there was some construction going on. In my place, I have a big leak in my bedroom, and it's been a nightmare. Anyways, let's let's move on from a nightmare. Let's move to a galaxy far, far away, and let's talk about Mandalorian Episode 7. And as goes with all of our spoiler-filled discussions, you know, watch the show before you listen to us talk about it. But let's uh, start things off with uh, what was your, your brief reactions to the overall episode? Uh, this was a good episode, I felt. Um, definitely a setup for the finale of this first season. Um, but it did allow us to get some characters together that hadn't yet been in the same place. Uh, it finally progressed things a little bit more with the Baby Yoda plot. Uh, has some cool action. Uh, and I'm always down to see more of Cara Dune because I think she's awesome. And I love <laughs> Gina Carano. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think overall... A, uh, a solid episode and we definitely get to see a, a bit of a different side to baby Yoda as well yeah um like you said uh it, it almost feels like a part one of a two-part finale like it, yeah um, yeah in uh, this episode was directed by Deborah Chow who directed I think probably one of the best episodes of this show thus far episode three mm-hmm. and I think right now she might be like the top of my list of like new directors I've kind of like discovered in, you know, the last two years. Like I am very excited to see, you know, her do a movie or something like she's just like her game in these two episodes. And even like what I've seen in like uh, better call Saul, she's just like incredible. Uh, like th- this episode has like, like good stakes. It has like great character moments. Uh, we're back to the a plot line and we're not like stuck in like, you know, villain uh you know adventure of the week territory 
Um, so I'm happy about all that. Uh, but okay, let's get into it. Uh, so this episode starts with uh, Mandalorian getting an ho- a hollow transmission from G- Grief Karga. Uh, this is Carl Weathers' character. And he says that basically the original client has increased his ex-imperial guards and they have taken over the city and that the guild considers him their enemy, but they can't get close enough to take him out. So he proposes this deal that uh, Mandalorian return to Navarro, bring the child as bait, kill the client, and they both get what they want. He gets to keep the child and there's the end of the, you know, the bounty on him and, uh, Grief gets, you know, control of the guild, and the guild will actually clear his name. So it sounds like a win-win, but uh, I don't know. Do you Like, if you were presented with this deal, would you take it? I mean, like Mando says, he doesn't really have much of a choice because it's either do this and take a risk of being betrayed or that it doesn't work out the way that he hopes it will. Uh, because otherwise you're still going to be on the run for the rest of your life because they're clearly not going to stop, you know, chasing the child. Yeah, when I was watching this, like, the first thing that came to my mind was Admiral Akbar in my ear yelling, it's a trap. And I was just like, this is, yeah, it's a trap. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think even Mando knew that. So, you know, n- no big swerve there. Um, okay, so this chapter, Chapter 7, is titled The Reckoning. Why is it called that, Brad? Uh, I mean, finally, <laughs> the reckoning is here. <laughs> no, I think this one's pretty obvious, right? Okay. Yeah. Um, Mando, uh, he lands in Sorgan, and uh, we see Cara Dune in a fight with a Dothmarin? I don't know how to pronounce that. It, basically, the species, that Darth Maul species with, like, the horns and stuff. And they're mm-hmm. in that local restaurant where uh, Yoda got his bone broth. And um, they're fighting, and they're, like, connected by this, like, electric wire, and it's like a tug-of-war meets UFC match? Yeah, it's basically like they're tied together uh, at their waist. They have, like, this band on that connects them through this, like, uh, an orange, like, electrified beam. But the beam can, like, stretch and be touched by them and, like, used in the same way that a rope can. Uh, And so it's just a way, I guess, to keep the fight uh, that much more more interesting. Yeah, I don't know. It's it, it's very it's such a weird. I don't know. It's cool. It was a cool fight sequence. To me, this like kind of felt like a callback to like Marion Ravenwood from uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Kind of felt like that. Like you know, like when Indy comes in and she wins the the uh, the drinking thing. Uh, yeah. And also, uh, you know, we should mention Gina. You know, had a career as an MAA, MMA uh, fighter. So, uh, you know, this is a, a little bit of a callback to that, I think. Yeah, fun, funnily enough, we just got done talking about Gina Carano on another episode of the podcast this week with our favorite moments of the decade because uh, Chris really likes that fight scene from Haywire. Oh, yeah. And, and so, and there's, uh, you get to see some of her similar moves in this uh, sequence as well. So uh, she collects her winnings from the onlookers, and Mando approaches her with a plan that requires her help. Uh, she's resistant, and uh, she reveals that she's done some things since the war that could carry a life sentence. Uh, so uh, does that mean she has a warrant out for arrest, or she just doesn't want to get noticed? Probably both, I would imagine. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, okay, well, she has no interest in fighting the local warlord until Mando mentions that he's an Imperial. And then she immediately says she's in. Like, is this just because she hates Imperials? Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, she used to be a rebel shock trooper and, you know, 
what rebel shock trooper wouldn't take an opportunity to you know mess with some imperials yeah uh grief doesn't know she's coming and mando is fine with that you know that's his problem uh mando admits that he doesn't really trust the 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 contact and uh (laughs) he doesn't have a choice. Like, like you said, he really just have enough choice. The hunters keep coming in, until the imp is dead is what he says. Is that the first time we've heard Imperials be called imp in star Wars? As far as I know, that's probably a better question for Brian. Who yeah. unfortunately isn't here. They, they might've used that in clone wars or rebels or something like that. Yeah. Um, the, the ship, uh, begins flying erratically and we discover that baby Yoda has been playing with the controls. No, no, something is it, I'm, I'm actually wondering though do we think that he's playing with the controls or is he trying to stop them from taking him back to that planet because there's a shot where he peeks down from the cockpit and you can either read it as he's hearing mando and G, uh and Cara Dune talking about taking him back to to grief or he's just looking down to see are they occupied can i go play with the ship uh so i wonder if he was trying to maybe stop them from going back or just being a kid Huh. I did not get that reading, but that's that's smart. Maybe he is more he's more advanced than we think. I mean, he's obviously aware of his surroundings and also and this comes up uh, a little bit later if you want to hold on to it. But it's clear he can recognize when somebody is in harm's way or hurt. So there's there's at least a decent amount of cognitive development there to recognize certain situations. But I feel like that's more primal. Do you know what I mean? Like a a little baby can, like my dog can recognize when I'm hurt. Sure. Yeah. And that's that's why it's it's hard to tell, but it's, it would be interesting if he was trying to get away after hearing what they were talking about. Yeah. Uh, so they get the idea to drop baby Yoda off at the, his Ugnot friend how, uh, farmhouse. Uh, he comments that uh, the Ugnot's name is what? Uh, I don't have it. Right. Quill. I forget. Yeah. We need to look this up. Look that, um, and he comments that baby Yoda has not grown much and mando thinks he's a strand cast but the Ugnot says that he doesn't believe he was engineered uh and, and he's worked on gene farms before so uh this well that's also curious because we we find out a little bit later that he worked for the empire um so i'm wondering like was he part of the cloning in the clone wars i mean it's a possibility the the only other time I think we've seen Ugnaughts doing things were when they were working in Cloud City, yeah. you know, getting rid of like metal scrap and stuff like that. Um, but you know, I feel like just like anybody, they 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 need jobs. <laughs> yeah, does this put to, to rest any speculation? I know like the doctor that was looking at Baby Yoda had like a clone uh, insignia on him on his uh, uniform. Uh, some people speculated that Baby Yoda could be a clone of. Yoda himself. <laughs> do you do you think this this line of dialogue is to be like, listen, he's not a clone? I mean, I don't know. If anything, maybe it could just be opening the door for them to talk about it later. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So he meets Dune, and uh, they have this whole conversation, which is, I I actually think this conversation is one of the most interesting part of this episode, where they kind of have this exchange like he talks to her about like her experience in the war and she asks him like were you also in the war and he says unfortunately i was on the other side and 
but he's paid his clan's debt. And like they kind of get in this argument later on. Uh, and we it's revealed that he was kind of sold to the Empire to, to work for the Empire. So um, I don't know. I, I think that whole interaction was just very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, IG-11 makes a surprise appearance here. And I, I'm excited about this because, you know, the show had a bunch of characters that they made action figures for that they set up as big characters. And they were, like, killed off in the same episode that they were introduced. Yeah. <laughs> And I was wondering if that was the case with IG-11, but he has made a return, and now he's been reprogrammed as, like, a servant droid? Yeah, basically. He's kind of, like, becomes uh, Quill's butler. Yeah. Um, and we have this, like, funny montage where we see get to see him being reprogrammed and rebuilt. He, you know, learns how to stand, pick up drinks, you know, move around crates, feed his blurgs. Um, I love how his movement looks like it's like a stop motion animated like production. Yeah. They did a really good job with the robotic movement. Um, like when he didn't know quite how to move uh, smoothly yet, it's a, yeah. a, a, a stark contrast to how smooth his movement was when he was a, an assassin droid. Yeah. And it's good to hear takeaway TT back. Although there's not much humor, at least in this episode. Yeah, sure. It's I mean, it's uh, there. There are some, but not not from him this time because he's been reprogrammed and doesn't have much of the same personality anymore. Yeah, uh, he Quill does say that it, it developed a personality as its experience grew. I don't think we see that here, but we'll we'll probably see that in a future episode. Um, uh, so we learned that it it's not a hunter, but it will protect. Uh, Mando offers to hire Quill to babysit Baby Yoda, and Quill basically says that IG could do it. But uh, Mando is totally against this idea. Droid, uh, you know, he thinks all droids are bad. This one has been programmed to kill, and you know, uh, it's built into him basically. Um, yeah, like basically, you can do whatever rewiring you want to, but it had, you know, it's it has killing at the core of its programming. Yeah, and Quill says basically, droids are not good or bad. They're uh, reflection neutral or neural reflections of those who imprint them and he's like if mando trusts him he should also trust ig um do you do you think that um i mean i guess we could talk about this later but let's talk about this now because we're on ig or ig 11 right now do you think ig 11 is going to end up becoming like sort of part of this team and also like baby yoda's babysitter in the long term um butler maybe we should say I mean, I think that would be interesting. I definitely want to see this team grow in a more permanent capacity. You know, Mandalorian's a, a good character on his own, but I, I really liked this episode, particularly because we got to um, spend more time with him and Cara Dune together. And, you know, even though they're meeting up with grief under, you know, circumstances that aren't necessarily the most desirable, having all these characters together is cool. And that was kind of what was most exciting about this the prospect of the show before we saw it. And so I hope that by the end of this season, maybe there is a team and then it will be more team focused in the second season. Yeah. It almost feels like this whole season one is setting up what the show is going to become. But um, I hope so. Okay. So the Blurgs will join me as well to which Mando responds, the Blurgs. And he responds, I have spoken. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was my favorite exchange of, of the episode. Um, 
Quill uh, feeds his blurg or one of the blurg blurgs above the aboard the Razor Crest as Mando and Dune have an arm wrestling match, and uh, this causes Baby Yoda to force choke her because he sees Mando struggling and thinks he's in danger. What did yeah, you, you think of this whole thing? I mean, it was definitely a surprising move of aggression on Yoda's part. Like, he's just sitting there watching. He's like, oh, hell no. And he's like, ch- chokes, her, chokes her out. <laughs> well, he's trying to protect him. Like, he thinks that, like, she's hurting him. Uh, he's like, yeah. has that, like, kind of, I guess, he, he can't, not a look on his face because he's the helmet, but maybe he can hear his, the grunts. Yeah. Something. You know, yeah. And, and it does look like, you know, they are, you know, fighting somewhat with, with each other. So as a, a toddler, you know, might think that they are actually fighting. He doesn't really understand the concept of what they're doing. Um, but yeah, so it, and it takes Mando, you know, going up to him being like, Hey, stop. It's fine. <laughs> and he's like, just it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny. It, it's a whole funny note there. Uh, Quill doesn't know what baby Yoda is, but he's heard rumors of what he can do. Uh, it's a little tit for tat here. And actually this is the moment that I mentioned earlier where Kara says, when you worked for the Empire and Quill like is explaining that he was sold to Empire as a worker and all that stuff, so so I'm I'm guessing this is like an insinuation that he heard about like Darth Vader when he was working for the Imperials. Yeah, or at least maybe heard about the Force and what the Force can do. Yeah, um, I, I I'm wondering, you know, uh, okay, let's let's move on from now. Uh, Mando gives Quill some some work and uh, to, to pad Baby Yoda's new crib slash pod or whatever you want to call it. Um, we learned that Navarro has stayed in empire control until the end of the war. So it, it was one of the last like strongholds in that, in that respect. Um, IG 11 delivers a meal, but Mando is obviously not hungry. And uh, he says under no circumstance does it leave the ship. That droid was designed to kill things. I don't care how much rewiring, was or wiring was replaced it's in his nature um so they decide to leave him in the ship right like ig11 doesn't go on this mission right correct yeah okay uh so they meet grief in a remote location way outside uh the city limits uh he's there with a security detail that was maybe unexpected um and he doesn't seem to like the idea that Cara Dune is there it has been brought along and it keeps on trying to and, you know, say that she should stay with the ship, that there's Jawas out there that might, you know, you know, destroy the ship, that, you know, she shouldn't come along. Seems very fishy to me. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, there's a moment here that Grief holds Baby Yoda uh, as, Mandalorian, as Mando is like kind of like has his hand like right next to his blaster just in case. And uh, Grief calls Yoda a little bog wing. And at that moment, I was like, oh, my God, did they just give Yoda's species a name? Because there had been rumors that George Lucas had been consulted for the show and that he he had for, you know, decades now never been unwilling to give Yoda species a backstory or a name. But that he has provided, you know, John Favreau and Dave Filoni with a name for the species that would be used in the series at some point. So I, I was very curious. Is it a bog wing? So I looked this up. Uh, bog wings are a, are creatures in the Star Wars universe. In Legends, they were these like fi- flying, uh, almost like reptilian like creatures on Dagobah. So I was like, oh my god, Dagobah! You know, 
Yoda was on Dagobah. Maybe there's some kind of connection, but that's in Legends and Canon. They're they're the same kind of species, but they're on the planet of Naboo, and they look nothing like Yoda. So, um, do you think do you think grief was just like mistaking about the species? Do like do bog wings look like that when they're younger? I think it's the fact that his ears kind of resemble what the their wings look like that he just yeah. think maybe just made like uh, a random comparison just based on that. Yeah, I think one thing's for sure. It's clear that Grief doesn't know that there's anything special about this creature. He just thinks it's a baby that's, you know, who knows why they want it. Uh, okay, so the plan is to camp out overnight and to go into town and on first light. Um, I love the look of this planet, by the way, this part of the planet. I don't think we saw this before. It kind of looks like Iceland. It looks like it, it's... Uh, very volcanic and there's like gro- glowing red cracks uh like you know there's some like lava below the surface um it, it's very cool looking and i'm i'm sure all that was shot on that you know that's that stage with the led screens and for, was not actually outside anywhere in reality so um okay so uh quill feeds baby yoda and grief comments that he's a carnivore uh the grief lays a plan and assures Mando that there will be no more than four stormtroopers. He travels with, with at most, a fire team. Uh, just then, they're attacked by some kind of flying creatures. I'm not sure what these are. Brian, in his review, did not list what the creatures are. Did, did, did you recognize them in any sense? I No, I don't think I've seen them before. Yeah. Like I, they, they look like maybe they could be bigger versions of Minox or smaller versions of crate dragons. You know, it's, it's tough to yeah. say this action sequence is so good though. It's, it's done in the darkness of night and like the blaster fire and the, uh, flamethrowers are kind of like lighting the battle. Um, it's just so beautiful and well-constructed, like a very tense scene. Uh, this to me, like, I don't know. There's so much about what Deborah Chow is doing in these episodes that's good. Uh, what did you think of this whole sequence? I did like the sequence, but I found myself kind of frustrated because Kara and Manda are supposed to be, you know, these two kind of elite soldiers, warriors, and they don't have any problem taking out enemies with lasers and, and stuff like that, but they're firing endless blasts at these <laughs> creatures, and, like, they maybe only hit a couple of them. <laughs> well, may- maybe they're moving fast. They're moving erratically, not in uh, ways that normal, you know, they're trained to, to hunt uh, more humanoid creatures. Fair enough. Uh <laughs> Uh, Grief uh, has been fatally injured here. He's like poison. Kara can't save him. Um, wait, is Kara or Kara? I always, I, I'm always. I think it's. I, I think it's Kara. Okay. Uh, so the child reaches his hand out and using the force cures Karga. Um, this is something we saw in the first episode when Mando got hurt. Like the baby Yoda, like walked up to him and put his hand on him and like baby Yoda just. Tried- he tried to. He reached his hand to do something to a wound, but then Mando picked him up and put him back in his little eggshell thing. Yeah. So we should be kind of uh, careful what we say here, but I this is a new force ability that we've never seen in live action before today. Yes, that's correct. We've never seen anybody use the force to heal a physical wound. That's uh, That's an interesting new ability, and I'm sure... I'm sure that this is a setup for something probably later in the season. Who knows? Or maybe even elsewhere in the Star Wars universe. Um, a bold prediction. 
What? Yeah, bold prediction. Okay, so uh, next day, Grief Karga has second thoughts. Uh, he kills his crew, reveals his original plan was to double-cross and kill Mando. He argues that they both need the client to be eliminated, and Mando agrees that he's right. And they plan to have Grief uh, bring Mando in as a capture and for them to kill him in surprise. Uh at this point, Baby Yoda is given to Quill, and the plan is for him to ride back on the Blur to the Razor Crest, which is far away, and turn on the security. Nothing on this planet can breach those doors. Which I think is funny because did he not turn on the security when he left the Razor Crest alone on the planet before and then the Jawas t- tore it to shreds? Yeah, that's what I was wondering too. Like, like maybe it's something new that was added in, in, <laughs> in, the, in the wake of that because – if he had that before and he didn't use it, then yeah. pretty stupid move on his part. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Mando puts on cuffs. Kara hides her rebel tattoos, which I also think is funny because she, like, hides, like, these tattoos that are on her arms. But there's, like, a rebel symbol right below her eye. But but, but Grief did tell her that she, she would have to cover it up. Yeah. But I don't think she does. I don't know. Maybe she, like, turns her head a certain way so they don't see it. Um... <laughs> Uh, they, they take Baby Yoda's pod as a decoy, and uh, you know Quill takes Baby Yoda. They reach town, and there are a couple scout troopers on speeder bikes securing the entrance. Uh, they, they get by them. Uh, there are troopers all around town, and Mando. Uh, it's explained that after Mando cra- crashed the warehouse, things got crazy. So. Uh, basically, Grief assures them that there's only four troopers guarding the, the client. They don't need to worry. Uh, they meet with Werner Herzog's character, the client, in the cantina, uh, which we've seen before, uh, but this now empty. There's only the droid bartender. Uh, Werner Herzog's character admires the the Beskar armor, and he gives some history here. He says, uh, "It's a shame that the Mandalorians suffered. Why didn't they? Why did they resist our expansion? The Empire improves every system it touches. Compare Imperial rule to what's happening out there now." Um, he does bring up a good question. Like this galaxy doesn't seem to be like, I feel like when I saw return of the Jedi as a kid and we saw the battle of Endor end with that celebration on, uh, the forest moon of Endor, I was like, Oh, it's peace across the galaxy. But this is years, you know, somewhere five to seven years after that. And it, this world doesn't really look more peaceful since the revolution. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not always as simple as, you know, getting rid of just the leader of the pack and having everyone follow suit. There's going to be people who try and take uh, advantage of other people, especially if they have their own private army and they have the weaponry to do so. There's always somebody who wants power and wants to intimidate people. And so even though the Empire is gone, there are terrible people are still out there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so some more troopers entered the car- uh, cantina you said four, you know, that whole joke. Uh, there's um, just as he asks to see the baby, he receives a phone call or a hollow call or whatever you want to call it. It's Moff Gideon. And this is the first time we're seeing Moff Gideon, I think. Uh, yes, but I, I'm sure that we are. Although, presu- no, we, we did see, didn't some character like with a cape was seen? Yeah, so we, we it was never confirmed that that's who that was, but I believe that the character that showed up to see um, Ming-Na Wen's character dead in the desert was Moff Gideon. Yeah, 
Um, yeah, it, it looks like the same cape, but I, who knows? I mean, there's a lot of black capes in the Star Wars universe. Um, uh, he knows there's a ruse going on here, and Herzog's character is immediately killed. Uh, some shots being fired from the outside of Cantina into it. Uh, were you as surprised as I was that they killed off Herzog's character in this episode? Like, I, I, I was under no assumption that Herzog was going to be a long-term character in this story because you know he has other stuff to do but i i was assuming he was going to be a big part of this these two final episodes yeah i i I at least thought that maybe he'd be the kind of character that would always make some kind of getaway and would pop up here and there as a shady figure yeah um but it, it does look like he was kind of you know he's like i guess even before when mandalorian was spying on him like from across the way he was talking about like you know they were getting Baby Yoda to someone higher like it it wasn't like he he didn't even know I think what was going on it was there was like a bigger plan involved and I'm sure Moff Gideon was you know part of that plan so uh, okay so fire continues from outside uh, our trio is safe outside uh, there's a line of stormtroopers in black are these death troopers yeah they're definitely death troopers yeah and uh, some transports arrive in the background unloading armies of stormtroopers this is interesting for a couple reasons uh these are this is it was reported at celebration i think was this the celebration you were at it was if it was this year then yeah yeah where uh they announced that they they hired or they invited some of the 501st to uh appear in the show the 501st is like fan cosplay community uh, a lot of them dress up as stormtroopers, and I have been told that this is their appearance. It's in this episode and the next episode. Nice. So uh, you get to see some fans actually in Star Wars, which is really cool. And uh, I'm not sure if you know this, Brad, but uh, there's cool toy detail here. Did you know about this? No, I don't think so. Um, so they are getting off these transports, which are, is a live-action version of the Kenner action toy it was it was actually like this imperial troop transport that was a toy that kenner like made up uh, that was never actually in you know the original star wars and um it was like when kenner was just like we need more vehicles i I think they talk about it in um the toys that made us episode if you ever watch that of star wars uh but uh dave filoni brought them to life in star wars rebels like and actually put them in the canon and here we're seeing for the first time in live action that's pretty cool. Yeah, so kind of cool. Um, okay, so Mando calls back to Quill uh, over the comm link and tells him to get back to the ship ASAP. They're pinned down. Uh, but the Imperials intercept the call and on speeder bikes are going after him. Uh, the tension in this whole ending sequence is just, like, ratcheting up. Like, it's just well-written, well-executed. Um Moff Gideon lands his TIE fighter, and that that's a cool shot. What did you think yeah. of that? Yeah, especially because this TIE fighter does something that we've never seen a TIE fighter do before, so that when it lands, it doesn't sit on its wings being uh, perpendicular to the ground, but the wings fold uh, in sort of a triangular um, position, and it lands that way so that the... Uh, the wings are more flat as it lands on the on the ground, bringing the cockpit closer to the actual surface. Yeah, and I don't think we've actually seen a Tie Fighter 
practically land on a planet anywhere before. And it, it, like people have wondered, like I, I know we've seen it in like Star Wars Rebels or something, but that's like people, you know, like Rebels that have the TIE fighter landing it and probably don't know the proper way to land it. Uh, this seems a lot more practical. And the interesting thing here is, um, I'll put a link to this in the show notes. Uh, this is based on a concept that Doug Chang, the head of visual development for Lucasfilm, developed for Star Wars Force Awakens. Uh, the image is actually in the Star Wars Force Awakens uh, Art of book. Um, but so this is the thing that they've been you know, working on for a few years. So uh, it looks really cool. Uh, what do you think of Moff Gideon? We're seeing him here for the first time. Um, I, I don't know. He's, I'm Giancarlo Esposito. We know can be an intimidating presence because of his role in Breaking Bad, but he also does look like an old man. So even though he does have you know that intimidating presence, I didn't feel completely threatened by him as much as the threat of just all the stormtroopers and death troopers. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. I'm I'm kind of wondering what his what he's trying to do. Like, if, is he on a mission for somebody else? Is he the one who wants the child? Uh, it's, it's definitely a, a curious situation. Yeah. Well, I think he's more threatening because of the power he commands. Like, you know, that whole, uh, army of stormtroopers, which is actually surprising to see that many stormtroopers still like organized together. I want to say. Yeah. Um, and he, he's wearing like this, like black cape and a shiny black armor. I think it looks pretty cool. Um, we don't know anything about this character. We just know that a moth is a high-ranking Imperial leader. And we don't even know if he was a moth when the Empire fell or if this was a role that he, you know, if he got, uh, that he pointed to himself to after that, uh, that fall. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, okay. So anyways, speeder bikes are just too fast for the Blurg. Uh, it's a slow-moving animal and uh, Quill is approaching, but he's approaching the Razor Crest. And, uh, I feel like this whole intercut between uh, between uh, them, the showdown at the cantina and the race to get to the Razor Crest is just like a master class of tension building. Yeah. And uh, Gideon says that he doesn't know what they have or they don't know what they have possession of and says in a few moments it will be his quote. It means more to me than you will ever know. So that to me signals that he's the guy that is looking at like he's not a, like a lackey of someone else that's trying to get Baby Yoda, unless that, it means something to him because he knows it will give him like get get him to reach something else that he's vying for. Oh, that's possible too. Uh, do you have any speculation, Brad, on why uh, this moth could be after Baby Yoda? No, that's that, yeah, that's the yeah. thing with with all of this is like it's so it's there's we have no idea what they want this creature for. You know, one would assume that it's because of its force abilities, um, especially since Gideon seems to know that he's valuable for uh you know why it's valuable. Um, I, I but yeah, it's it's hard to tell. You know, like this is I wonder how long they can keep this mystery up. It's gonna be funny when it's revealed. That the Imperials are actually like very nice people, and they're just they're just trying to save this endangered species that is rare in this galaxy. They just take him to a, a zoo that's just <laughs> yes. full of other other nice baby Yodas. A, a habitat. <laughs> uh, I doubt that's going to happen. Okay, uh, so the the ending scene here is is kind of heartbreaking. We see Baby Yoda on the ground, like we don't even like see what happens. So we cut to moment. It, it's such a 
an interesting take to to show us the aftermath. And we see Baby Yoda on the ground, and seconds later, a scout trooper scoops him up, and the camera pans over to reveal Quill in the sand. Is he dead? It would seem like it. He's not really moving, and it, uh, you see comes some kind of like smoke rising up from his body as if he has been shot by those scout troopers. So, And the music that's playing is very somber. So unless they're trying to pull one over on us, it seems we lost him. Yeah, this... This makes me kind of sad because I, you know, Quill was one of my favorite characters in the series. And I, I mean, maybe they were playing it up too hard. Maybe I should have seen this coming because it like seemed like, you know, he had worked all his life to pay off his debts and to escape, you know, uh, captivity from the empire. And, you know, he's now retiring and doesn't want to get involved. And, and, and he was asked by his friend to, you know, help him in this one last mission and now he has, you know, lost his life because of it. Yeah. Anyways, okay, so that is the end of this episode. Is there any other thoughts you wanted to relay? Um, I don't, I don't think so. I think we we pretty much covered yeah, everything. Yeah, we covered everything. Uh, I'm excited for next week's episode. It will hit next Friday, and it will be the season finale, although they are already shooting – season two i'm not sure we don't have a release date for that yet though right no no they haven't given a window for when it might arrive i actually don't even think we know much about season two do do we even know who's directing episode i i know they announced that uh carl Carl weathers Weathers. yeah carl weathers favreau's gonna direct one this time finally um and i think that that's all that they've confirmed so far yeah Okay, so we'll talk about this next week when that when that goes down. Hopefully, we'll have Brian with us. Uh, if you want to check out Brian's review, I'll link that in the show notes. Uh, if you want to find more of our work, you can find us at slashfilm.com. You can find this podcast every day on iTunes, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at peter at slashfilm.com. And rate and review this podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you on Monday.